0: Hello, everyone. You're listening to In the Weeds, an agriculture podcast hosted by Monica Jean and the Michigan Field Crops team. Hello, everyone, and uh, thank you for listening to our podcast, In the Weeds. Uh, Monica Jean here. I am a field crops educator based in the central Michigan. I call it the southern central Michigan area, but really it's the Saginaw Bay and uh, we're here today to talk about the market outlook and trade issues for this 2021 season. Our guest here to speak about this fantastic issue, Alex.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, my name's Alex Schaefer. Uh, I am an assistant professor in the Department of Agriculture, Food, and Resource uh, Economics on the main campus at MSU. I've uh, been working on these issues uh, Still pretty new since 2019. Uh, If you haven't met me, that's because we've spent the last year uh, trapped in our houses.
0: COVID. (laughs) Um, And I also, we were just discussing how Alex is the embodiment of a magic eight ball. That's pretty much his job is to uh, predict things for the future. That's hopefully kind of right. It's an educated guess, but uh, it's a magic eight ball situation. So we're going to shake you up a little bit today, Alex, and see what you read.
1: I don't know how long you're going to take this metaphor, but let's do it. (laughs)
0: Okay. (laughs) Uh, So let's talk about prices first. Um, I think they're looking kind of rosy right now. So where are the prices at and what what are you thinking about them?
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much. So this is exactly the place to start, right? That uh, we've been talking about sort of how the world's been working for the last year. And it, I feel like it's been bad news after bad news after bad news. And so for a change, uh, I think this time we get to have a really happy conversation that you're exactly right. Prices for the 2020 year have been going gangbusters. Uh, and uh, the USDA released a report uh, in, in late February, that the Outlook report in late February. Uh, and they s- expect these prices to stay equally rosy uh, into 2021. So for corn, uh, let me pull up the exact numbers so I can uh, stop lying to you. But for corn, uh, for 2020, they said across the full marketing year that that average price was going to be about 430 uh and then looking into 2021 uh, they expect that to hold to about 420. Um, if you if you look at the futures market, the futures market thinks things are going even more gangbusters. So for corn the futures market kind of is predicting a price of 449 uh, for the 2021 year uh, which is even higher than the 2020 year and certainly higher than the usda's 2021 projection. Uh, And and the same story for soybeans. So soy uh, for the the USDA says their best guess of kind of what this 2020 marketing year will play out as Um, they think it's 1115. And then for 2021, they expect prices to be even higher at 1125. And again, the futures market thinks thinks they're um, sort of undercutting what the market's going to do. So the futures market suggests that in, in 2021 uh, prices are going to be as high as 1157 per, per bushel for soy.
0: And when you say 2020, 2021, what you're referring to actually is the marketing years. So 2020 marketing year is part of 2021 calendar year. And so 2021 marketing year is also part of the 2022 calendar. Calendar year, just so folks understand that. And diesel prices are up a little, but we'll take this win, right? <laughs> I don't want to complain.
1: Well, that's right. So, uh, and so let me say that the part of that recovery for corn, or, or I should say, not necessarily recovery, but persistent happiness in corn, uh, it is a result of the recovery in ethanol, which obviously is related to um, gas prices. And so, yeah, the gas price may kind of hurt you. Uh, at the pump, but it sure is good for our producers uh, in terms of the ethanol price tied to it.
0: Yes. And so it sounds like these prices are going to stick around.
1: That and so, so let me be clear that that uh, I'm not the magic eight ball here, but I, I know where to look when we're talking about the magic eight ball. So, this is me reporting to you what the USDA's best guess is. They're a lot smarter than me, uh, they know a lot more about the market than me. So, that's the USDA's best guess, uh, but all, also the futures market, which is sort of the um really cool way that all of the information that different producers and consumers and, and uh, speculators uh, work together sort of pops out a price that, that the, the market thinks is the best guess for what the future is going to look like.
0: And you kind of touched on it for a second there when I brought up diesel prices, but besides, you know, gasoline, are there other major factors that could affect the price in the in the foreseeable future?
1: So, Monica, you're just setting me up perfectly, right? So yeah, when we think about uh, the price, we're saying, where the heck is this coming from? Uh, And so when we look at that, we've got to be thinking about supply factors, demand factors, um, and then kind of policy, the policy environment. Uh, And so, so this, this shift in price or these prolonged prices, um, as I said, some of this is the kind of recovery and continued growth of the ethanol sector. Uh, a lot of this is driven by uh, international trade uh, and just uh, large, really large increases in, in demand for U.S. agricultural products uh, from abroad. Uh, Of course, there's an additional component of this, which is uh, we're seeing some persistent drought right in the western U.S. And so as that drought uh, comes on board, uh, we're getting kind of less less crop uh, per acreage in those areas. uh, And so that's also going to push the price up. One really interesting thing here is that uh, is that. Uh, as that 2021 or as that 2020 price went way up, you'd expect producers to respond by planting more corn, planting more soy's, uh, and the USDA says that is exactly true. We're going to plant more of this stuff than we ever have in the in the past, uh, both for corn and soy's. Uh, you would expect uh, the increased planting to push down those prices, but this is even even um, considering the fact that we're going to have more of this stuff um, kind of going around. Prices are going to stay high, according to the USDA.
0: Yeah, I have been um, discussing with a climate group that um, they cover the north central region, and I would say currently we're one of the only states in the north central region that isn't in a serious drought issue. And we do have some drought zones right now in Michigan, but we have rain in our forecast that might really resolve those issues. So one of the worst regions in my area have about a three to four inch deficit, which would take about a month of precipitation on average, about a month of precipitation during the growing season to recoup for. We're seeing that coming up in the forecast soon. So we're actually for Michigan, we're looking pretty good where our states around us are looking like they're going to be hurting. Good for yes. our markets, but unfortunate for them.
1: So, so Monica, I I am not a climatologist, uh, but but again, I have listened to other people who are smarter than me, uh, and that's sort of consistent with what I've been hearing that the we're not going to make up those precipitation losses in, in kind of the mm-hmm. western United States, but but in the eastern part of the of the Corn Belt, uh, probably a lot of that a, a lot of that drought will be offset okay. here pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Well, we, we kind of started with the P word, policy. And so um, I guess we're going to continue on that track uh, now that we, uh, t- you know, touched on the, the climate and how it can affect it. How is trade going these days? Are we being friendly or is, is there some enemies out there?
1: That's a really good question. So, uh, and let me answer that uh, in terms of how is trade to say it depends on who you are, right? So, if you are a uh, a corn guy, a soybeans guy, uh, kind of a row crops person, uh, you're really happy with the with the the status of trade right now, right? So, um, just as I talked about a, a little while ago, we've said that. Uh, exports are, are the highest they've ever been in 2020 uh, and particularly for corn we're expecting even higher in 2021. Um, in 2021 uh, we're expecting high exports in soy, but not maybe not quite as high as in 2020. So the question is uh, kind of you, you said are, are we making friends or are we making enemies the, the question is where is that stuff coming from uh, and, and for for soys uh, I mean, it's it's not surprising to hear that that is massively driven by uh, increased purchases for China, uh, which is kind of consistent with whatever this phase one trade nebulous thing that that we've ostensibly got going on um, for for. Uh, Sorry, for soy, it's also a, a whole bunch of kind of minor markets that we're expanding into, um, as well as sort of our established markets, Japan uh, and Mexico, kind of all good news uh, on, the, on the corn and soy side. That is in very much contrast to to something else that we do a lot of in Michigan, which is specialty crops, Uh, right? So we tend to be importers of of a lot of the specialty crops we grow in Michigan, thinking asparagus, tart cherries, blueberries, uh, and for better or worse, trade is going gangbusters there too, right? So we have been kind of persistently hit uh, with competition from abroad, particularly Mexico and South America and some of those Crops, we have, uh, and we can talk more about this if you want to. But we've sought sort of protection uh, among the tart cherry group, the blueberries group, from the U.S. government, Uh, and in both of those cases, we've been unsuccessful. So if we're if we're looking at how is trade going from the perspective of those guys, um, not quite as well.
0: From a specialty crop perspective, but within field crops, so like dry beans and. Uh, potatoes or sugar beets, um, would you say because more ground might be planted to corn and soybean that the, is there any prediction that the prices for some of our specialty field crops that, how that would be impacted?
1: Well, let me, let me, um, there were two parts of that story, which was um, where is all of this new corn land? Where is all of this new soybeans land coming from, right? I I hinted a little bit ago. That we're going to be planting more of this stuff than we've ever planted. So the question is, where is it coming from? Uh, and to a certain extent, Um, it's a little bit misleading to say we're planting so much, because if you think kind of about the 2019 crop year, we had these massive areas of prevent plant. Um, Some of those continue to not be planted in 2020. uh, And so a lot of that ground is just stuff that we kind of haven't been able to plant since uh, 2019. So, so in those instances, it's not necessarily replacing other crops. Um, I I can't speak too much about potatoes or dry beans. Uh, I can talk a little bit about about sugar. Uh, that's something I've worked with, and I know that we're facing um, kind of continued um, competition from Mexico on the sugar side of things. Um, we we have those those uh, suspension agreements in sugar that we negotiated uh, now three years ago, I think. But but uh, from the beet grower side some people continue to not be happy with kind of how those are playing out
0: okay well i would suspect you know people probably have their seed purchase before they really maybe the markets were all figured out anyway so acreage planted might already be pretty well determined by our farms in michigan it would just be an increase of um acres unable to be planted will be planted this year like you said um alex but i was just curious if if anyone had heard a farmer saying. Ah, instead of having to deal with my dry beans this year, I'm just going to go all soybeans or vice versa. But I haven't heard me. I haven't heard too much of that. So um, I think I, I'd like to segue a little bit into uh, how trade is going to be impacted. And again, this is kind of a magic eight ball situation because this new administration hasn't been in very long. But what do you, is there any forecasting for implications? Um, on trade and maybe even on the markets due to a new administration coming in?
1: Absolutely. That's that's a great question. Uh, and it's a question that I would love to know the answer to. So <laughs> I, I can do some speculating, but just I want to put in that caveat that this is just me um, and my best guess. Is, uh, and then the the guesses I, of kind of some of the smart people that I've talked to. I
0: think that that's the check back later option on the Met, right? <laughs> Isn't that one of them that the magic eight ball says it's like try again later or something. Well, kind
1: of well, that. let me, let me give you my, my <laughs> best okay. guesses, but just knowing that, that that's a really murky area of this eight ball thing uh, that you think about one good indication here is, is how has trade policy changed in agriculture from the Obama administration to the Trump administration, right? We had it's the same uh, kind of director of the USDA or the Secretary of the USDA in the Obama administration. So we can kind of think about how he was looking at the world back then uh, to make some to make some um, ideas about what what the future might look like. Uh, And obviously there was sort of a a, a much less of a heavy hand uh, in an international trade under the under the um, Obama administration than Trump. So, you know, Trump um, initiated these steel and aluminum tariffs, uh, which kind of initiated a tariff war um, predominantly directed at agriculture across a whole bunch of countries, not just China, but a whole bunch of countries. And so those those tariffs are, are still in place. Right. We still have that tariff war going on. Uh, alongside that tariff war with a whole bunch of countries we negotiated under the Trump administration something called this phase one um, trade agreement where China has sort of in quotes promised to buy a whole bunch of our agricultural products so that was the change from the Obama administration to the Trump administration you might be you might be kind of um, ready to say, well, we would expect those, the, the tariff war to be ended because um, the previous administration or the administration before the Trump, I'll just say the Obama administration, didn't, didn't have that as their policy, right? Uh, and maybe we will sort of relax the, the, the tariffs on China. My best guess is that won't happen immediately for two reasons. Uh, the first reason uh, is that there is some other stuff going on in the world right now. Right. So um, kind of the administration's number one priority for better or worse isn't international trade and agriculture. It's the uh, covid pandemic. Um, it is. Really? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you've noticed that thing that's <laughs> happening. Uh, it's the covid pandemic. Uh, it's also really a rapid response to climate change. So kind of climate efforts in policy. Uh And because of that kind of international trade is taking maybe a a backseat for the immediate future. In addition to that, um, it's not as simple as we went from before the Trump administration to the Trump administration to going back to before the Trump administration, right? The decisions that the Trump administration made uh, in the international trade arena um, will persist Um, into the future. And so the the playing field is now different. Uh, And because of that, um, probably it's not as easy as sort of going back to where we were before. So personally, I expect um, the Biden administration to continue to kind of play tough with China uh, in agriculture or in in trade, um, to sort of try to hold up some Uh, some semblance of whatever this trade deal we have with China uh, and and then maybe even uh, continue to have these steel and aluminum tariffs for a while.
0: Okay. Interesting. That was a uh, long answer. No, that was, that was really good. And, And it kind of bleeds into like, do you feel like the United States Mexico Canada agreement is working right now?
1: Good. Yeah. So that's that is really related to another question about how is trade going. It depends on who you are, right? Um, for corn and soybeans, are we've we've continued to expand into the Mexican market, into the Canadian market. Our, our exports in both of those commodities have grown in those markets. Uh, if you're a blueberry producer, you're not nearly as happy about that uh, agreement because it's uh, it's sort of continued the persistent uh, persistent competition with uh, Mexico that, that some producers feel is kind of unfair competition. Yeah.
0: there. I mean, it's probably cost of production, right?
1: Depends on who you ask. Yeah. So that is definitely what the, um, U S government, uh, determined when, when they were requesting, uh, when, when our U S industries were requesting pr- protection, uh, but there are, um uh, there are a lot of people who, who think that there are some unfair trade practices going on.
0: Okay. To
1: be honest, I just haven't dug into the weeds enough to know exactly in those situations what the story is.
0: Well, that's what we try to do here, right?
1: <laughs> <This is waiting laughs> there you markets.
0: go. <laughs> so um, back, back to predicting the future, um, any new developments you see happening, upcoming things that farmers should be aware of as far as trade or prices? Um, that, you know, you can see on the horizon?
1: Sure. I'll give you a couple, one with respect to trade. Uh, and then one with respect to not trade. Uh, so with respect to trade, uh, I think there could be some increased comp- uh, some increased conversations down the road, not immediately, but down the road uh, about returning to the Trans-Pacific Partnership. So remember the Trans-Pacific Partnership was a, is a major agreement uh, between kind of all of the countries along the, the Pacific Rim, except for China. So China is out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Uh, And because of that, um, being a member of that agreement would give us a lot of leverage uh, against China. Um, We, in 2016, decided not to be a member of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, but all of those other countries went on without us. So the Trans-Pacific Partnership exists um, and is operating. I think we could Could see, uh, in my opinion, for better, um, a- another push for us to be members of that Trans Pacific Partnership.
0: So, could the USMCA and the TPP exist, co- coexist?
1: Absolutely. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, the Trans Pacific Partnership, let's see, how should I say this? Maybe I should just say yes, I think.
0: Okay. Perfect. That's just all I, I in theory, <laughs> in theory.
1: Uh, And so, Monica, you asked me uh, or I said I'd promise to give you another part uh, answer to that, which was the non-trade part. Uh, And so, as I just said a bit ago, climate change is a major part of the um, conversation under this administration. So they have gone out of their way to say definitely we are going to have some, some uh, climate change conversations with respect to agriculture. Uh, and so if we, if we start to see conversations about carbon sequestration, um, getting payments as a result of carbon sequestration, that may affect the kind of the desirability of some crops relative to other crops. Uh, and so you could see some price changes depending on how those climate conversations play out.
0: Yeah, we're having a lot. um, I'm the Michigan chair for the North Central Climate Collaborative. And we are eagerly chewing our nails, (laughs) waiting to see what this administration, there's a lot of talk about, um, you know, possible like payments or incentive programs for farmers to be conducting climate friendly practices on their farm. And um, or the possibility that the industry is going to be requiring those more for market access because of some structured type of government intervention, too. So um, we're we're all kind of wondering, waiting and wondering to see what's going to happen. But um, this carbon market thing is just quite the buzz. Thank you again for joining me.
1: Thank you all so much. I really appreciated it.
0: This podcast has been brought to you by the MSU Extension Field Crops Team. For more podcasts or information, please visit us at canr.msu.edu backslash field underscore crops. Thanks for listening.